As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. and welcome back to The Ruck. It is great to have you back in these tough times. We hope you're all well out there. We hope your families are safe and well too. I'm Owen Slot and I've got a pretty full complement of Ruckers this week. All of us, of course, dialing in remotely, hoping that our Zoom connection doesn't go down. That's Lawrence Delalio, Steve Jones and Alex Lowe. I should add also that we are joined by Mike Boville, our producer. And I have that specifically because you should know that when Mike is in producing our podcast, He's now working at West Middlesex Hospital. Right, right, hospital, Mike? Got my information right for once? Yeah, Mike's not saying anything. Anyway, hats off to you, Mike. Um, now, Mike, you, you can talk, and I think you should do. Just tell us what your, your role in the hospital, or, or just what it, it's like there. Well, it, I have to say, it's very calm. Um, despite everything going on uh, behind the scenes, uh, the, the staff, as you would expect, are extremely professional and just getting on with daily life as best they can. So the situation that I found myself in, uh, despite uh, uh, the joys of producing the Ruck podcast every week, I found the rest of my earnings disappearing pretty much overnight uh, during this crisis. So I needed to go out and get work and and uh, hospitals are, are places where where. Fortunately, at the moment, there is still lots of need for people to come in and, and work. So whilst the uh, the true pros go and, and help out in uh, A&E and, and obviously in intensive care and places like that, uh, people like me come in and help out with the rest of the hospital. So I'm actually working in the uh, mental ward uh, at the moment. Very, very different to uh, my previous life as a rugby journalist and sports reporter and uh, uh, the person responsible for running TalkSport 2 and things like that. Uh, so uh, a real insight into the day-to-day life of people who run hospitals and make this country work, which I think far too many of us have been guilty of not knowing anything about uh, or not caring enough about uh, uh, over the last few years and decades. And thankfully, that's been brought into sharp relief by this current crisis. Well, well said, and, and and good for you. Do you do you have to wear um? I mean, w- w- what sort of protective clothing at all do you have? Do you, do you have? Any yes, of that um, you? I mean, not quite full PPE uh, as you see in intensive care, but yeah, on every ward, wherever you go, you have to wear PPE. Thankfully, in decent supply uh, at the West Mid so far, so um, no shortages. But um, it's it's just amazing the the job that that people. I mean, I was working. 13 hour shifts for the last couple of weeks which really isn't a great deal of fun but at least i'm able to take breaks and uh 
the the doctors and nurses who are on the front line who who have to do that and not get a chance to get out of their PPE. And it's been really hot the last couple of weeks as well. Uh, not help with all the radiators in the building still on full. Uh, and it's when it's 25 degrees outside as well, that is not much fun at all. So I can only imagine what the uh, uh, conditions are like inside ICU. Well done, Mike. We're, we're proud of you doing that, mate. Thanks, Steve. We'll Thanks, get Josie. Back to you. We'll get back to you as soon as we can about a regular place on the ruck, all right? <laughs> so that was Jonesy. So let's just go through the boys. How, uh, how, how are we surviving lockdown? What's, um, what's the madhouse like in which you're living in? Jonesy, all good with you? Yeah, because I've got an um, office in the summer house at the back of the garden, right at the top <laughs> of the garden. I haven't actually seen any of my family for six weeks. I just stuck up here. I'm not in lockdown. I don't want to talk to them. Uh, well, I tell you what, I've seen a lot of films. I, I, I love films, but I've not been much in the last 10 years. And I'm trying to catch up. So I'm quite happy, obviously, following everything avidly and um, just hoping and praying that, you know, they, they get on top of the, of the, of the, of the stats and uh, we all get back out again. What's your best film of lockdown so far? I saw Happy Gilmore last night, actually, which for, for, a, for a, um, a light-hearted one is, um, is good. But there's been some great ones. Uh, Darkest Hour, the thing about Winston Churchill, I thought was tremendous. Yeah, it's a good movie. Alex, how are you going? How's, how's life uh, with um, homeschooling till two children and trying to do a job at the same time? Yeah, so it's going to get busy from today. They're back at school today. So I took a break from, from teaching uh, equivalent fractions. <laughs> to my seven-year-old, or maybe he was teaching them to me. The last couple of weeks have been, have been really nice, actually, these Easter holidays. We've, we've tried to be as positive about it as possible, so we're, we're enjoying more time going out, walks and playing football in the garden. I've enjoyed the... So Tim Burgess from the Charlatans has been doing these, these listening parties every evening. So they've got thousands of people all listening to the same record at the same time, 10 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night, and um, that's been quite a fun sort of collective experience but yeah it's gonna get hard from today back being a home teacher Lawrence all good with you yeah surprisingly I mean I think you know like everyone else the 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 first three weeks of lockdown are relative feel relatively okay calm you know it's uh thankfully the full extent of the coronavirus crisis has, has not reached our front door in the sense that obviously no few people have had it and recovered but uh you know, it's, there's obviously a lot of people out there who are, who, are, who are really struggling. But the first few, first three weeks have been have been okay. I think the challenges for all of us, in in many ways, start from now on because there's a there's a certain amount of restlessness, not not just in our house, but but generally across the nation about you know not knowing quite what's going to happen, when, where, when do I when do I get my life back, or even a resemblance of my life back. But but for me, it's been been as I said, quite calm at the moment. Um, <laughs> we've had one source of amusement and distraction has been um, sort of everyone talks about reconnecting with old friends, don't they across this? And, and that's one of the benefits we, we've had a, a wasps WhatsApp group of, um, of players that go back probably to the, well, as far as, as far as I can remember, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And obviously the, uh, you know, the amount of, of, of messages coming in to wish various people happy birthday. I mean, if it carries on at this rate, we've got about, 200 people on the whatsapp group that, that that's that's obviously a birthday every two days so um sculling a pint of beer and, uh, and nominating someone else is <laughs> it's not going to get us through lockdown i don't think so, <laughs> damien hopley's 50th was he um were there 200 beers that he had to match then <laughs> well damien hopley eventually got uh got got on that whatsapp group i'm sure he's been pretty busy judging by the uh 
wonderful interview. And I have to say, Jonesy, hats off to that. It was a really good interview with Damon Hopley that you did for the Ruck. Yeah, he got on the group, and then and then it was Damien Cronin's birthday. That famous um, German, yeah. that famous German Scottish uh, second row forward. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's been good fun, uh, and long may that continue. Is there, is there a leader in the clubhouse for quickest pints, or, or have you outgrown that now? <laughs> well, it's certainly amongst the youths, I would say. Yeah, there's a few that have, you know Haskell's sort of um, jumped off the WhatsApp. He's gone off in a sulk. Um, Maybe maybe because he can't sort of um, air all his views without letting a few other people air theirs. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just imagine being on a Zoom conversation with Haskell. It would be impossible, wouldn't it? Well, it's, the, the, the idea of a podcast is it's a two-way transmission, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> For this podcast, I'm trying try to lighten up everyone's lives with a, with a bit of a quiz, which we'll do in a minute. But um, even without rugby, we never seem to be short on rugby news. So... I just wanted to talk about two things in particular. First of all, anyone who's been looking at the new sports pages will see that the uh, the race to become the next chairman of World Rugby is is full on at the moment. Uh, Bill Beaumont is uh, standing for re-election against Gus Pichot. And um, Jonesy, you broke a, a I thought an extremely significant story about um, the dark machinations within World Rugby that I think taint Bill Beaumont uh, really quite significantly. Yeah, I, I, it didn't start out to be like that. But I'm just interested because reports began to emerge, and we've we've all heard the rumor that this guy Keane, um, Francis Keane, who's the former head of the Fijian Navy, we've heard these reports that he'd been done for manslaughter. And I just I just sort of delved into it, made a couple of calls, and suddenly there's like an avalanche coming the other way where people can, can't resist from 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 revealing things you know i was put onto an amnesty international report in which uh he or two uh, in which he was heavily criticized for uh his part in a sort of horrendous culture in the prison service uh, but i mean some of the stuff i mean obviously as you as we all know what appears in a paper is is often those things you could get past the lawyer i mean the things we couldn't get past the lawyer would would you know would have stopped you in your tracks but um, you know, just, just as one example, he uh, was filmed on, on a tape which went viral in Fiji in an absolutely maniac mood, horrendous homophobic expressions, uh, and, uh, and it, 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 he tried to incite two people in the prison service to, to beat up another one. It's not actually recorded whether he did. But the, the great irony is, this is a man who was done for a murder, uh, then chopped down to manslaughter. He was meant to serve 18 months, didn't serve anything like that. But this, this utter charlatan and the, the man who was responsible for the death of someone else, two years later, he's head of the prison service. I mean, it is absolutely amazing. And uh, where it went was... But then you realise that look, Billy is in, implicated in this. No one's saying that he in any way condoned what Keane has done. But, you know, the stuff that I heard about Keane that we couldn't print was just horrific. And uh, it does affect Billy because, of course, Billy is seconded for the post by the Fijian Rugby Union. Now, World Rugby, quite rightly, said, look, it's not this Keane guy who, who, it's the Fiji Rugby Union. Well, I can tell you that he is the Fiji Rugby Union. Nothing happens he doesn't know about. Do you think that will affect Beaumont's uh, election campaign? Or do you, do you get the impression that so much of this is, is already tidied up with vote bartering and deals, etc., that that something as shocking as this won't, won't even swing it? Well, it should do, because first of all, someone should say, is there no 
due diligence for whatsoever for people who want to be voted on to the the senior panel, the EXCO. Uh, it's not a big panel; it is a decision-making body. And the idea that Bernard Laporte could personally uh, patronise this guy Keen is unbelievable. Going to cause waves. Uh, also, you know, I mean, there was a big thing in the week that the bookies slashed Gus Pichot's odds. Well, where that came from, I don't know, but certainly someone's got money on him. So, you know, the bookies are no fools. So I think it's going to be quite interesting because I think Bill at one stage was a big favourite. Uh, and, and Alex, you wrote the story um, during, to the end, end of last week that uh, when the Premiership does come back, there's now a higher chance that they might try and focus just on Twickenham and uh, and stockpile games there, play three in a day, uh, try and just have all the focus in one place and maybe play three games one day and then three games three days later or something and, and try and get through, burn through as many games as possible with no crowd at all. Do, do you think that's likely to happen or is that just one of a million and one contingency plans? So it, it's one of the one of the plans being looked at. It was Matt Lawton, a colleague of ours, who who first got on to the, the idea of uh, that, that Twickenham was being discussed as the leading option by at least one Premiership uh, club chief executive. The idea of it, uh, what, if the game gets back on the field, it will be behind closed doors. When I was working uh, sort of around that story, trying to help Matt, I was picking up that the, you know, the government are, are really keen to get sport back on for the morale of, of the country. The RPA wrote to the players on Thursday or Friday of last week, detailing sort of a five-step return to rugby schedule. Step one and two was, was training. Step three was premiership games behind closed doors. Step four was European games behind closed doors. And step five was we're playing in, in full stadia. So that is the, the schedule that they're looking they're looking at. There's no way if they want to they want to wait till crowds are allowed in stadiums, then from what I hear, clubs don't think that'll happen till till next year. So Premiership Rugby are committed to getting the this season finished. I think they're under pressure to do so from BT Sport. They need the money from the T V deal. And so it's how, how can they best arrange the resumption of this season? And they're looking at as far as I understand it, they're still targeting, I think, June the 27th as the, as the, the return date. They, they need to build in a pre-season period before then for the players. And then, depending on government advice, if they have to keep, if quarantine is still in, in position in, in one way or another, then Twickenham or somewhere like the Rico that has a, a hotel attached so the teams can stay there. They can be almost on, you know, within a, within a bubble and play the game back-to-back day after day. Um, that, that is what, certainly one of the options, and, and according to some, the leading option at the moment for the Premiership. Lawrence, what, what, what would it be like with playing behind closed doors, no crowd or whatever? I mean, I'm sure TV will do as much as it can to sort of soup up the, the, the viewing experience, but for players, it'll be dead weird, huh? I think for, it'd be very strange. I mean, for, for some players, it'd be like going back 20, 30 years ago when, when only two <laughs> or three people used to come and watch you or when you ended up playing in your second or your third or your, even your fourth 15. But uh, no, listen, it, it is very strange. But I guess there, there is such a, there's such pressure financially on, on all these teams. What, what, what interests me, Alex, was around, you know, clearly um, there's, there's going to be a number of, of measures put in place. You know, there's even talk about all the players possibly being tested for coronavirus and all the people required to put the game on. But, I, but I'm interested to understand, I mean, players are perfectly entitled to make their own decisions. And there's probably a lot of 
players, dare I say, out there who are probably feeling a bit scared by the resumption of rugby. Um, and, you know, if they personally said that they weren't, that they didn't want to play in, in those games, you know, how, how would that be received? Um, and how would that affect them? Because, uh, you know, I don't think any anyone should be forced to play. You know, I think you've got to feel that the environment is is safe, right to return. So, yeah, really, really interested to to understand to what degree this is going to happen. And, and, and Alex, in terms of timescales, I presume they're looking at things like June and July rather than uh, anything any sooner than that. One of the, the points that, that everyone I spoke to was keen to make was that nothing would happen without government approval, without the, the health authorities giving it the go-ahead. And, and they'd obviously have to find a, a way to make sure everyone was was safe and, and wasn't exposed in, in a kind of a high-risk way if they were going to get these games played that the time scale as far as I, I can I understand it is so the premiership are already talking about the final happening in August and if you backdate from there then you're looking at, at a June start but that would probably involve some midweek matches we're definitely now at a point where the players have been on have been off training really certainly off team training off contact training for so long that there needs to be a period of pre-season before they can go back into to professional rugby so you're looking at a month or so I understand that they're looking at small groups first I think what one club were told that the players are likely to gather in small groups from sort of the middle of May start training as a team at the start of June with a target of June the 27th and if they do that they can still fit in every game of the club season and have the final in the middle of August the 18th of August I think it would require three midweek matches if those midweek matches don't happen, because as we all know, for player welfare reasons, we don't have midweek matches anymore. If that was decided that, that the players shouldn't be put through that, then you'd have to lose three rounds of fixtures based on that time scale, which I understand is, is what they're aiming for. Obviously, this all depends on government guidance. If the lockdown continues beyond the next three weeks and everything gets pushed back and then they have decisions to make about losing more rounds of the regular season or pushing the final into even into October, but potentially, which would mean contracting next season. But the pressure is on all these clubs financially to get these games played because they need the broadcast money. Alex, the important thing here is that they can let us in. I mean, let's get, let's get down to the real issues. So, <laughs> I, I've just been thinking that, you know, when I first heard about these uh, uh, games with no fans, thinking, God, no, that, that's not rugby. But actually, I, I've changed totally now because... Look, BT, they're not actually so much putting pressure on, is they? They put an awful lot of money in. So do all the other TV companies. And I just think, how many times now have we seen repeat after repeat after repeat on TV? I think I've seen the one-day international cricket final 43 times. And I think it would be lovely <laughs> for, the, for the fans up and down the country. Uh, and just just, just say, uh, not doesn't have to be necessarily be true. Rico would be fine. Just don't forget, you know, there's, there's people up there. That, we're not just a, a M25 sport. I just think that despite all the stipulations and all the requirements you've all uh, delineated there, I think it would be wonderful to get some rugby on TV and it's live and all the fans can watch it, albeit by their firesides, with a few beers. I think it would be lovely. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone.
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you guys want to do the quiz now? You're quite excited about this. Yeah. How do we chime in? Do we have buzzers? Do we have our own signature? Did you not get your buzzer through the, through the post last week through Amazon? <laughs> now, you've got to caveat this, that, that, that we're up against the, the master here in Mr. Mm. Lowe. He, he's definitely they uh, what they, they call quiz fit. I'm definitely fit, but in a slightly different capacity, <laughs> judging by my recycling bins outside. Lawrence and I are playing for silver here. I assume this is going to be complete carnage, because as the buzzers somehow didn't arrive... You're just going to all shout at me at the same time. We'll see if we, we'll, we'll see if we can make it work. So I've, I've got a, a little warm-up round just to, to, just to get you uh, get you into the swing of things. Um, so question one: Who is the highest point scorer in the World Cup? Well done, Lawrence, leader in the clubhouse. Well, not quite in the clubhouse yet. Yeah. Who was the uh, highest try scorer in the World Cup? Adams. Oh, Arthur, you're coming last now. Uh, right. I'm just moving. I knew the answers about three months ago. Is... Right, I think okay. this quiz is. I think the quiz is over now. I think yeah. we've done enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, everyone. I remember sitting in your hotel room, Scotty, doing this in Tokyo, and like I seem to have all the answers on tip of my tongue, and now I can't remember anything. Yeah, I couldn't speak back then. <laughs> <laughs> Which player wore the most photographed budgie smugglers? Uh, Faf de Klerk. Uh, Lawrence, what do I mean? And who wore the most famous mullet? Jeff uh, Good- Goodhue, the centre. Jack Goodhue. Lawrence, absolutely well done. Yeah. Brilliant. How many has Arthur got? He says he's not really. <laughs> Arthur's not got off the starting blocks yet. Lawrence is, Lawrence, it's, it's three to Lawrence, one to Jonesy, and Arthur's just, I don't know, he's probably doing um, homeschooling with his kids at the moment. Ask me the equivalent fractions question, I'll, be, I'll nail it. The next round is ingeniously called. Jason Leonard versus Gregor Townsend versus Jack Nowell. So they, they've all given they've all given us a little bit of an, an insight into um, into life under lockdown. You've got to guess the following out of Leonard Townsend and Nowell, whose lockdown super skill is watching daytime TV? Leonard. No. Well, I'll uh, go with the other one then. <laughs> Townsend. Well, 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 Jonesy, it was it is indeed Jason Leonard. <laughs> Out of Townsend and Jack Nowell, one of their uh, super skills is become packing the dishwasher. No. Uh, indeed, Lawrence, well done. Jack Nowell confided that his girlfriend says there's an art to packing the dishwasher and he now has it. Bloody <laughs> hell. <laughs> Gregor Townsend's super skill was uh, gardening. On the subject of cooking, whose signature dish over lockdown is French toast? No, no. Townsend. Well done, Lawrence. This is on fire. <laughs> Who just cooks and eats everything? 
Oh, could, could be either of the other two. Leonard. <laughs> we'll go for Leonard. Well, well James, he is indeed Leonard. And um, Jack Nowell says he's become a very good barbecue and um, he delivered a, uh, a slow-cooked old turkey to his uh, family earlier in the week. Owen, oh, by the way, is, is Arthur still here with us? <laughs> or is he gone? I think Arthur's going to make a comeback, but uh, um, All right. that's just because we know him, isn't he? It's like it's like Saracens. You think they're down, but um, pay them a bit more money, and they always come back. Hey, well, I'm suggesting I'm cheating. <laughs> no cheating going on here. Uh, well, cl- clearly not, Alex. <laughs> I asked the um, Leonard Townsend and Nowell uh, what their uh, sort of competitive mental approach was to family games uh, such as uh, Monopoly, and you'd be you won't be surprised here that. They, they all said that they are extremely competitive. Uh, they only play to win. One of them said, uh, wanted me to know very quickly that he is the current family champion. Who Townsend. Townsend, well done, Jonesy. And uh, who said, uh, if I'm not winning, I'm known to flip the table? Uh, Jason has yeah, to be. No. Well done, Alex. He's the final author starting. <laughs> Jason yeah. would just demolish all the hotels and houses, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Who confessed to cheating in a family Zoom quiz? Leonard. No. No. Jonesy, it was a teacher at Noel. Lockdown view, we've got some, some viewing recommendations. I haven't seen it, but there's a there's a film uh, called Contagion, which is a, a kind of, you know, what happens to the world when something really <coughs> like COVID-19 comes and hits us. So so one of the following had Contagion as his lockdown viewing recommendation. That would be... Chat Noel. Um, Townsend. Uh, yes, indeed, Lawrence. It was Townsend. Jack Noel's uh, lockdown viewing is Tiger King, and um, Jason mm. came in came in with with a good old reliable Shawshank Redemption. Um, <laughs> is that the last film we saw. <laughs> Not, lockdown <laughs> music. Which of the following lockdown music recommendation was Capital Gold? Jason. 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 <laughs> Of course, it's Jason. Well, he's the only one who could tune into that particular yeah. station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the only one who could get it. He's got, he's got one of those ra- radios with the dials that you turn still. One of them had Bob Marley's his, uh, lockdown music. Uh, Who's that? No. Oh, Jack Nell. Okay, well, we'll, we'll avoid that. Uh, that so, um, uh, Jack Nell's lockdown music is Bob Marley, and Gregor Townsend's a Biffy Clyro fan. Uh, yeah. Lockdown reading. Who's, who's lockdown uh, recommended reading as a DIY manual? Well, it must be Jason. He's colour. That's a colouring in manual, isn't it? Not a reading manual. Turns in. Well, it's my process of elimination. <laughs> 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 it's the only way you can get a point these days. Jason recommended the, the Agassiz autobiography, and um, Gregor Townsend's recommendation was the more sort of chin strokey um, uh, uh, sports no. academic book, uh, Captain Class by Sam Walker. So J- Jason's on lockdown, reading the Agassiz book, watching the Shawshank Redemption and listening to Capital Gold. He's not, not quite up to speed. No. And cooking and eating everything. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to go back to a, to a mis- mis- miscellaneous round. What are the names of Andrew Cotter's dogs? Oh. Oh. Olive. Olive. Mabel. Maeve, Maeve, Mabel, Maeve. Oliver and Mabel, one point to Jonesy, one point to Alex. Oh. The now ex-England coach, Steve Borthwick, uh, was once told in a heated uh, game, uh, in-game exchange that he trained like Tarzan and played like Jane. Who said that? Lawrence. <laughs> Lawrence. <laughs> and, and promptly got right-handed by Danny Grucock, who was then sent <laughs> off. 
And then, <laughs> and then they had the disciplinary hearing uh, 30 minutes after the end of the game. And um, Danny came and knocked on the changing room door and said, you couldn't do me a favour and just, uh, just lead the witness in this disciplinary and just tell him that, uh, that you instigated the fight. <laughs> <laughs> to which I did. And, um, and he was banned for, I don't know, six weeks. Or in Martin Johnson's autobiography, the ingeniously called The Autobiography, he says of one player, people gravitate towards him and are prepared to follow him. If you had a group of 20 blokes stuck in the jungle, he would become the leader of that group. Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah, Lawrence. Well, <laughs> Lawrence, you're not very good on your own question. <laughs> well, I, I thought I'd dip out of this round, but uh, seeing as I'm in the lead by so many, I thought I'd but dip you're not, out. You're not only more Jonesy as you're headed during the, during the oh, I, don't, I don't mind that. I don't mind Jonesy being ahead of me. Yeah. <laughs> in the 2007 World Cup final, which England player wore the shirt number thirteen? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I, what, I, was lucky, I, was lucky to, I was lucky to be in that squad. Okay, this is a, a question I just made up. Who's now coming second in the quiz? Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, who is the leading team in the Six Nations? England. Uh, England. Well, done, Alex, England. Who is the leading point scorer? Oh, Dan Bigger. Alex uh, is coming back. Dan Bigger. I was surprised about this. Who who is the leading try scorer? Me. No. No. It's um. No. It's, um, it is. Oliver. Oliver. Well done, Alex. Well done. Oh, you see, now you now you've gone technical. He's got his back. I mean, you know, he's <laughs> such a de- such a detail man. Uh, I think we've pr- we've proven earlier on that I'll have forgotten all of this in two months' time. <laughs> According to Eddie Jones. This is slightly old, but it's always fun. Uh, according to Eddie Jones, which home nation is scummy? Uh, Scotland. Uh, Wales. Uh, Wales. Wales. No, Ireland. 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 <laughs> Ireland is scummy. Wales or something else. It, it is Ireland. Well done, Alex. And which home nation is a little sh- place? Wales. Uh, Wales. Well done, Jonesy. I'll give you the scores at the moment. Jonesy on 10, Alex is on 8. And Lawrence, having been so far out of blocks, you're, you're in third places. Wow. So, um, I mean, I didn't realise I was, uh, you know, it was a vanity project and I was answering questions <laughs> about myself. Um, okay, moving on. We've got some um, odd one out rounds. I'm going to read out some names and you've got to uh, work out who's the odd one out. Stuart Barnes, Joe Simmons, Rob Andrew, Danny Cipriani and Don Armand. Don Armand isn't a fly hard. Nope. Danny Cipriani. Uh, it's, a bit, it's quite a hard one. This. I'll put you out of your misery. The answer is Rob Andrew, because he's the only player in that list that Stephen Jones has never waged a campaign that he should be playing for England. <laughs> we didn't have to, did he? Who's <laughs> <laughs> picked? Bloody hell. Some, some more names. Richard Harris, the actor, Nicholas Parsons, Bruce Forsyth, Joe Launchbury and Oliver Reed. Which is the odd one out? Oliver Reed. Joe Launchbury? No. Forsyth? Yes, it is Bruce Forsyth. Oh. I can't see him as a rugby fan in any way. No, it, it's actually he's he's the only one who, who never played rugby to it to any decent level. So Nicholas Parsons, the the, the, the late great um, quizmaster, uh, he he played good rugby, and we know that Oliver Reed played a little bit for um. Boston Park. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, next question. It's another odd one out round. Instant coffee, cereal packets. And Bruce Springsteen CDs. Instant coffee. No. No. I'm having a bad, I'm having a, I'm having a bad finale. 
What's your Jones, one? Jonesy, you shouldn't have this one. Instant coffee, cereal packets, and Bruce Springsteen CDs. Which is the old one out? The old one out is the Bruce Springsteen CDs because in the Jones household, Steve Jones has been keeping the instant coffee and the cereal packets in the fridge, but not, not the Bruce Springsteen CDs. That is what lockdown has done to him. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> is that right, Jonesy? Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Who told you that? <laughs> no, he's looking for the camera now he's looking... <laughs> come in Karen we're going to dial in Karen now Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Jones so clearly lockdown sending us all a little crazy how many times has Stephen Jones lost his glasses during lockdown have we got, have we got a multiple choice here or is it just a, a oh it's just a silly question the answer is it's impossible to put a number on it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, where are they, by the way? What is Steve Jones's lockdown super skill? All right, you won't get this. It's disinfecting Amazon packages. Is that right, Jonesy? Yeah, well, you can't be too careful. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't... Jonesy, you get this answer. What book did Steve Jones order two times from Amazon? What did um, they order two times from Amazon? Yeah. Um, was it a book? I can't <laughs> Oh, I'll, give, I'll give you the follow-up question. How many times did he intend to order it? <laughs> okay, we'll go, we'll go four. Uh, he, intends to, he tended to order it no times at all. <laughs> what did I get then? What was the book? I, I don't know what the book was, but, but according to um, according to the Jones family. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I'm probably right, yeah. yeah. That was a shocker. It's gone back already. <laughs> Okay, so we're winding up on the quiz. We've got a little bit more on, on Tans and Leonard and Jack now. So the answer is one of those. Strong uh, round. So, so we'll do two questions on each. So Gregor Townsend first. Uh, toughest opponent: Joel Stransky, Gary Armstrong, or Andrew Mertens? Gary Armstrong. Joel Stransky. Right, Jonesy. If he hadn't been born Gregor Townsend, who would who would he have liked to have been? Stephen Larkham. Lawrence Delalio or Carlos Spencer? Spencer. Carlos Spencer. Spencer. Nope. Stephen Larkham. Well, no, Stephen Larkham. Oh, I'm back. Well I'm back. <laughs> Lazarus. That feels good, that point. <laughs> that feels good. <laughs> Jason Leonard, his toughest opponent was Pascal Ondarts, Christian Califano, or the referee? Pascal Ondarts. Ref. Ref. Was indeed the ref. Well done, Jonesy. I, I would have thought on Dats as well, though. And um, if Jason Leonard hadn't been born Jason Leonard, well, maybe the world would have been a, uh, a sadder and more sober place. But yeah. if he hadn't been born <laughs> Jason Leonard, who would he have liked to have been? Jeremy Guskett, Johnny Wilkinson, or Paul the Judge Rendell? Guskett. Rendell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jason said that um, Rendell was one of the best loose heads England ever produced. And uh, the best ever tourist. Don't know how you feel about yeah. that, Lawrence. Yeah, judge. Yeah, he, was, uh, but he, was the ju he was the judge, so you're not going to argue, are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, and finally, Jack Nowell, toughest opponent. Teddy Thomas, Anthony Watson, or Israel Folau? Teddy Thomas. Folau. Folau. No. Okay, you're all wrong. Uh, it was actually Anthony Watson who he said is incredibly hard to stop. Oh, right, that's interesting. Very good. If he hadn't been Jack Nowell, he would have liked to have been either 
Sebastian Chabal, Dan Carter, or Jonah Lomu? Lomu. Carter. Chabal. That concludes the first ever Ruck online <laughs> Zoom podcast quiz. And uh, I'm delighted to say that the winner with 13 points is uh, Stephen Jones. Even though he couldn't remember what book he'd ordered twice by mistake on Amazon. No, Thanks, boys. Uh, good fun. Alex, uh, well done, good, well come, good come back on nine. And Lawrence, a bit of work to do on eight. Um, but uh, you, you weren't aware that you were going to be the, the, the answer to most of the questions. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, boys. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, stay well. Stay healthy. Stay at home. This was The Ruck. See you next week. listening to me daisy apple's iphone disassembly robot is dismantling an iphone into lots of recyclable parts that's how apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods thanks daisy there's more to iphone even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.